Local on the Go Show listeners, don't forget to give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Racing season is right around the corner, so grab your One to Go Show tee or hoodie today. All right, race fans, Ryan Aho here, the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, we're getting closer. We're getting close. It doesn't feel like it. If you're, in, if you're in central northern Minnesota, the Twin Ports, you're going, you're out of your mind. It's, it's a disaster up there again. But I promise you, we're getting a little closer to some dirt flying in our areas. Well, Are you I excited? See, yeah, I, I, I see Cedar Lake cancel their practice and opening weekend. Yeah, everybody's soft. I don't know why they can't pack it in. I'm not really sure. You know, the snow turns to moisture. We raced in the snow. No, I get it. You can't be racing in that crap. But I think I think we're getting a we're around the corner. Things are going to happen. Things are going to yeah. happen. Yeah, around here that at least now they're the forecast has temperatures in high 40s, 50s, possibly 60s over the next week. So. So uh, hopefully with a lot of sun, because there needs to be a lot of melting and drying. <laughs> what are we about a week and a half? Not this weekend, but next weekend's the Dirt Kings opener too, isn't it? At well, yeah, supposed to be. Um, but we'll no see. time for negativity. <laughs> no time for negativity. But, but either way, you can come to Shano Speedway on, what is that, the 15th, that Saturday? Uh, because uh, Fan Fest has been rescheduled, and it's either going to be at the fairgrounds or at the Crawford Building, which is right next to the racetrack. So, yeah, it all uh, depends on weather. So hopefully, hopefully yeah. it's at the racetrack, the fairgrounds. You can have racing. Hopefully, all that happens. So we'll, uh, I guess, we'll find out in a couple weeks if that's the case or not. <laughs> but episode one seventy one, of course. I should say 171A. Well, we'll get there. Um, but brought to you by Dirt Track Supply, our friends over in Watertown, South Dakota. You want to talk about some people passionate about racing? Ron and Trevor over there are very passionate about racing. Both of them have had great careers behind the wheel, but more importantly, they help so many others. I mean, not just with, with their parts business, their Bert, but they help a lot of others, right? If people need advice, if they have questions, you know, give them guys a call. They're there to help you. They love racing. They want to do everything they can to grow the sport. But don't forget, if you need parts, tires, chassis work, you name it, Dirt Track Supply in Watertown is your go-to for all things racing. So, Bert, it's going to be a fun show. Uh, we got some pretty cool topics on here. going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to start with this, okay? We're going to kind of go through the agenda here. We're going to talk a little bit about USMTS. Is there or is there not some dominance in USMTS? Little race fan feedback. I had a late question come in. That was pretty good. Um, the champ stays hot in World of Outlaw Sprint Car Action. Little drama there, maybe, maybe not. We'll talk about that. Um, star-studded field, Bert, at the Lucas Oil MLRA opener down in Wheatland. Um, I mean, everybody rained out, so they had a great field of cars but there was also some drama that might have stole the headlines down in Wheatland. Our picks, some bold, maybe not so bold predictions, depending. And uh, But first, let's start with this. So with Soda, Bert, they come up with a big announcement. <clears throat> I said there was going to be a big announcement about tires. Well, it wasn't about tires. Okay, tires are, you can buy tires now, though. But they came out, 
with an announcement pertaining to the 2023 Wasota 100. Did you happen to see that? Did you read that, that press release? I did not see that press release. You're a hater. So everybody, Bert Lehman, um, B-E-R-C-L-A-M-A-N, he is a Wasota hater. Hates Wasota. <laughs> hates Wasota. All the Eastern Wisconsin guys hate Wasota. Just kidding. So, <laughs> so they they got three things that kind of changed up at the at the Wasota 100, and kind of the the mindset's been, let's be honest, there's specials every weekend. There's all kinds of specials. How do we make this stand apart, right? How do we make this different? Well, they're opening up Wednesday night. Um, at the Wasota 100 this year with the Structural Buildings Wasota Late Model Challenge Series finale. So they're closing out the Challenge Series on night one at the 100. It's still going to be counted. That night one race will still, the top eight will be locked into Saturday's feature. Okay. But but kind of a cool deal to, to lock that up right there at the Wasota 100, make that special. Pretty excited about that over i-94 uh in i-94 emr speedway now it is in fergus falls no race of champions we touched on this here about a month ago um but they have eliminated the race of champions from the wasota 100 mixed feelings on that bert you've been to several wasota 100s what 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 is your thoughts on them dropping the race of champions (laughs) um i personally don't like the fact that the race of champions uh has been dropped um i mean maybe maybe it's not that big of a deal anymore but uh back in the 1990s uh when eastern wisconsin late model tracks were still part of wasota that was one of the cool things about winning a track championship was you got the race in that race of champions i know when mj won uh, championships at uh, Langley County Speedway in Anigal. You know, that was one of the things, you know, one of the, the benefits of winning the championship uh, was being able to race in that race. And, uh, you know, at that time, you know, East and West Wisconsin only raced a few times against each other. Well, now they hardly do it all uh, unless the Eastern drivers travel to the West. Um, but it was just cool being able to race with the best of the best from the different tracks in Wasota. Yeah, I got mixed feelings on it. I mean, I get it. I kind of like what they're doing. And, and quite honestly, I don't know how to say it without saying it, but they, as an organization, I don't know who's in charge of it. They've done such a terrible job promoting that over the last decade that nobody even cared. Nobody, you know, you didn't even know. They didn't, they didn't post on social media or anything like when the qualifiers were, who qualified, there was really no hype for it. So if you're not building it up and making it appear special, ah, nobody cares, right? So that kind of happened. So, but I do know like Doug Kosky, friend of mine that runs in a super stock, he usually goes to Cedar Lake for the legendary. Well, last year he went to Fergus only because he made the race of champions. You know, so there is that. They, gain, they do gain cars because of it. How many, I don't know. But on the flip side of it, they're taking that money and reallocating it. And I don't have all the details. And I don't think they quite have them either, but they're taking the money that was allotted to the race of champions in each class. And then they're going to put that into the qualifying features for the Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday portions, which haven't paid well. And they're going to, sounds like they're going to take kind of the middle. I, I don't know all the details there, but it's going to be given back to the racers, needless to say. And uh, that's something the racers have been complaining about for a long time is them qualifying features 
they don't pay very good, right? So putting more money towards them is probably a good thing. Um, the other thing they're doing, Bert, is the Wasota Montforce, Wasota Pier Stocks, and the Wasota Hornets are no longer going to be a part of the Wasota 100 at Fergus Falls. They are going to have an event the week before, like a grassroots night. I don't remember the exact name. You can look on the website for that for Wasota. But they're going to have that up in Bemidji. And you couldn't find a more grassroots type racetrack than Bemidji. Few people are kind of butthurt about it, right? Some of the drivers are like, well, what do you mean we're not we're not being able to be part of the Wasota 100? You get your own special, okay? It's still you still get a special. They're still gonna be paying the big purse. The winners get to go to the 100. And and quite honestly, the way they did it in the past, Bert, they ran the Piers and Hornets on Tuesday, right? Well, the, them are kids, the most of the Hornet drivers are kids. Well, they couldn't go on Tuesday, right? So they weren't getting no cars. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share my thoughts, but what is? Do you have any initial thoughts when when I say that Mod Four's Piers Hornets no longer at the actual Wasota 100? They have their own standalone event. What's your thoughts on that? So, what divisions are left for the one 100? The two mod Ooh. divisions, super stocks and late models, and street stocks. And street stock. I mean, there that's plenty for for a show. And um, like you said, you know, if if those other divisions are racing on Tuesday night, you know, it's, I mean, I understand you want to be part of the big show. Um, but I mean, at, at least they didn't get rid of that night and just say, screw you guys. You're not, we're not going to do anything for you. You're just not going to be part of it. You know, I mean, right. they're giving them their own, own special. I mean, I understand wanting to be part of the big show, but you know, in the long run, this, you know, probably better for them anyway and and i love fergus falls i think that is a fantastic racetrack little too big for those three classes anyway you know bringing those three classes to a smaller type bullring in my opinion is probably going to be a better better program but i get it right on the driver's side of it if i was in one of those three classes i'm like i want to be on that big stage i want to be there i get it I, I get it i totally understand you know and there's a few of them that are upset about it and i get it but on the flip side of it, Bert, when I was, you know, my first couple of years, and this was a long time ago, but my first couple of years in the hobby stock division, well, guess what? None of the postseason invitationals, right? The Labor Day shootout didn't have them. They finally added them my last year. Um, they didn't have them. Um, the Red Clay Classic didn't have them. The Punky didn't have them. The 100, they didn't have hobby stocks at these specials. And kind of the idea was, is give them some kind of a special during the year but if they want to race them bigger, bigger events at the postseason, that gives them something to look forward to, right? When they when they move up, right? When they, they're like, hey, I'm going to jump into a streeter. I'm going to jump into a Midwest Mod, a Super. Well, when they move up, guess what? Now they get to be part of them big shows. It's something to look forward to. So I think overall, Bert, I think Wasota kind of hit a home run on this one. Um, I'm, I'm for it. And I get it. You know, some people are going to give hate mail. They're kind of pissed off a few of them. But at the end of the day, I think for the event as a whole, I think this is probably a pretty good thing. So <clears throat> what do you say we jump into a blast to the past, Bert? And before we do that, two things. First, we got a special guest coming on here today. I'm kind of excited. I'm nervous. I'm nervous, but I'm kind of excited. So bear with me. There he is. There yeah. he is. We got 
we got my right hand man here. So we talked about him, Bert, a few different times, right? So we talked about my old pit guy, Changa, Jim McClellan, you know, with me during all my championship uh, years. You know, it's episode 171A, right? So we haven't got into any of those 71 drivers there, Jim. But uh, Jim, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks, guys. Nice to meet you, Bert. Yeah, nice to meet you, too. Hey, you're supposed to wear a tie with that Ryan A-hole hoodie. It's kind I of know like I, <laughs> I haven't worn this in a decade, but we got her out for the special occasion. Yeah, you might get shot at, depending where you go, you might get shot at. So um, before we get into the before we get into the blast of the past, a shout out to Impact Health Sharing. If you're self-employed, if you, you know, if you're a business owner and you got to cover people with, with insurance and you're paying too much for health care. We might have an alternative for you to help you save a lot of money that you can maybe put towards racing, just saying. But uh, the fact is you're looking at about $600 per month on average for a family with a combined family deductible of about $2,500. So it's a great deal worth checking into. Might be for you, might not. But number, uh, if you want to text 218-969-1380 or shoot me a message on Facebook and I can get you some information. But here we go. So we got episode 71. Bert, let's kind of bounce back and forth. Jim, you can throw a couple in if you got them, because I know you have a couple. But Bert, let's start with you. Number 71. First name that comes to mind for you is who? Well, Ryan Aho, of course. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My head is already too big. Already. Now I'm just a dumbass with a mic. Okay. So now... We'll get to that in a minute. So, uh, well, well, probably I one of the most famous seventy ones in uh, Wisconsin racing. Uh, I think I have his correct number, uh, Leon Plank. Oh, absolutely! He was the man. That that was my, <laughs> one of my favorite drivers growing up. I got some pictures with him as a kid, and yeah, he was fantastic. Raced Menominee and kind of that area, Menominee, Rice Lake, Cedar Lake, and. Do you have any memories of Leon Plank? And Jim, you can chime in if you got any memories of old Neon Leon from back in the day yourself. I do not. I mean, unfortunately, I don't even, I don't remember him racing, actually. Um, I don't remember seeing him race. Uh, so I don't have any memories of him racing. I just, uh, you know, know the name is very famous uh, in Wisconsin late model racing. Yeah, he won some big ones in our area. He won the Labor Day shootout, the Silver 1000, a ton of other races. But one thing, Jim, I remember, you guys remember the old stock car racing magazine and circle track racing magazine? Yes. I don't remember which one it was, but he was one of the first, I would call him a somewhat local guy that actually was in that magazine. So I became a fan because I'm like, this is freaking cool. Like that guy comes to our track. He's in this magazine. This is awesome. But, uh, Jim, you got any memories of old Neon Leon? You know, I don't know how many memories I have other than kind of, you know, near the end of his career when he was hanging out with Kanta and they were kind of a a powerhouse combination. Yeah, for sure. The old LPI lift systems there. So I got a little quick quiz here for old Jim. Driver from Duluth that one of his favorite drivers, in fact, probably his favorite driver from what he said was Leon Plank. His first year's racing for, I believe, around five years, he was number 71. A driver from Duluth, number 71? God, I don't know. I don't got nothing. He built your shit box. No kidding, huh? Jimmy Rich? 
Jimmy Rich, Jimmy Rich. Yeah, Lawrence sent that over him. I had no idea that Jimmy Rich, who obviously was 55, your dad with Allied, is it Allied Taxi or Allied Cap? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he sponsored him. Actually, owned his car. Jimmy built what the Joker chassis? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was the JR Quick Car chassis and cages, and then it was Joker chassis. And I don't know if you'd appreciate it being called the shitbox, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> he built some pretty good hot rods. Hell of a fabricator, good dude. Why don't you share a memory? You got a lot of them with Jimmy Rich, but what what comes to mind when you think Jimmy Rich? Oh, well, you know, just going to the track with, you know subpar equipment junk tires and you know probably superior when we battled with rosine and murado and and beating them guys back in the day when they were super fast as long as you could keep the engine in the car because you kind of had a hand grenade under the hood yeah. i don't know they were, they were pretty fast <laughs> right so the next one we have here okay is we have we have two drivers that each have a pair of wissota national championships Is this for me again now? Either one of you. You're, you caught me you. off. You caught me off guard here. All right. Either number 71, right? Or 171. One of them had a 171 for a while. Is it, is it a we're not doing just late models like Puka and Bert, right? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. Um, I'll, I'll go with uh how about Strand? Yep, Brian Strand. You remember that name, don't you, Bert? Yes, yes. So I got Brian another Strand. one too. Yeah, and I know you do. We'll get to that in a sec. Oh, so there's Brian a couple Strand, more. Uh, Two-time two Wissota. Well, yeah, fair enough. There is a couple more. So two-time uh, two Wissota Modified National Champion had a great career in the Modifieds and in the late model division. He started fast lane um, racing, which not fast lane motorsports international, but fast lane racing in Bemidji. They moved back out to North Dakota, build the Millennium Chassis. Great legacy because his son, Dustin Strand, is an incredible racer as well with multiple national championships and kind of a little fun story guys my very first feature win in a super stock my first feature win right brian strand won that he won't like this but he won the feature in bemidji and they had the tech area right when you pulled off the track and for whatever reason he drove by the tech went back to his trailer i don't know if he forgot or if he was overheating i'm not really sure but they disqualified him and i won by default i'm like well not how i want to win my first one but i guess i'll take it but uh that guy won a lot of races so let's jump back to bert for a second okay we got brian strand in the book who else you got bert uh well i have two drivers from eastern wisconsin i don't have any others from western wisconsin um, well, give give but, us one of them from out east. Okay, what uh, one of them is Dan Grosskreitz. Uh, he raced uh, late models at Shano, um, probably late eighties and early nineteen nineties. Um, his son is Cody Grosskreitz. I know I've talked about the fire on the front stretch at uh, Shano Speedway a lot, where the, the one driver pulled the other driver out of the car. And uh, Cody Grosskreitz was one of the drivers that was involved in that. One of the three drivers involved in that wreck. So, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, that you know, racing fan. I, I tell you, racing is like a big family. They band together. We've seen that more than once. There was an incident with Dobmeyer, you know, with that fire he had just about a month ago, where drivers jumped out of the car. So, pretty cool story there. All right, good old Changa here. Who who do you have next? Another. Not me, but another Wissota two-time national champion. 
Pete Wallers, maybe. Pete Wallers, the old 71R, right? So Pete actually cut his teeth in the hobby stock division from Kelly Lake. Big, I mean, big racing legacy from Kelly Lake, Minnesota over by Hibbing. But then he transitioned when he was still in the hobbies, transitioning into the supers. He actually drove for my dad a little bit, ran a few nights for him, ran for Ed Vessel. And then he jumped up into the 17. His first car was just awful looking. It was just not a good deal. But then he switched to 71. He went 17 that first year because my dad was already 71. And out of respect to him, he's like, I'll just go 17. And my dad said, well, my career is kind of coming to an end. If we're both in a super, you go take 71 because you're going to race longer than me. So he did. And he went on to win the first two was Soda Superstock National Championships, moved on into a late model, had a great career there. And then he did, I was it ASA or ARCA that Pete Wallers did? I think it was ASA. He had a little stint in the old four in the ASA car. And now his kid, Zach Wallers, old jungle boy, I got to be honest with you, he's probably, when you go to the Grand Rapids Speedway, the most fun to watch in the late model because he's up on the chip and he's not afraid to hustle the high side. So Pete Waller's uh, definitely a good one. Had a great, great career. Now, late model. Quick quiz for both of you. Late model house car for Lou Fager's racing equipment. Okay, There was multiple drivers, three that I can think of off the top of my head. There might have been a few more that maybe ran a show or two. Who can name the three drivers off the top of their head that ran the 71 house car for Fagger? Three of? I can picture the car is yellow and white. <laughs> yellow and white with a swooping 71 kind of badass looking number on there. So the first one, I mean, should be easy. The first one should be easy. The Fagger's house car. Steve Fagger's. Steve Fagger's, right, yeah which is Justin and Marshall Fager's dad. So Steve Fager's would be the probably the most, the one that ran it the most. Okay. Another one, he also ran a car that was number 57 in the late model division. Jerry Leggett. Oh, yes. I remember that. Yep. Yep. I'm Jerry trying to remember Leggett. the one that raced against us. Yep. John What's that? I'm drawing a blank on the one we raced against. I got a little dementia going on here, you know. Well, we, we one of the drivers here, right, actually ran some open shows with this, yeah. is still racing today. Different number, still racing today. Uh, I, I know who it is. I'm drawing a blank. All right, Jim, I'm going to give you a clue. You just Fox, come back to me in about 10 minutes. <laughs> Fox Ridge Speedway. We're there with the late model. Yep, I, I remember him. I, 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 I was running up in the top three. I broke, a, I think, an oil pump or something. And he literally ran over me in one and two. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Lance Matthews? Lance no. Matthews, yeah. Oh, no, that's yeah. not who I was thinking of. He had thick glasses at the yeah. time. I went up. I'm like, what the hell happened? He goes, you try looking through him. I'm like. Good enough. Good enough. So yeah. So Steve Fagers, Lance Matthews, Jerry Leggett all ran that house car. Probably more people than that. That that. Who, who was the Fagers house car when you were in the late model? Well, I don't think it was '71. I thought Kreiderman ran. You know, so, Bob Tim. Um, Bob Tim was in one. Yeah, there was another guy. He ran a little bit of open stuff. I can't remember his name. 
Well, somebody put it in the comments. It'll come to yes. you. It'll come to you. Now, yes. Bert, what do you got next? Uh, the last one I have is uh, Rain, uh, Rain. Wayne Ruffers. Uh, he raced in the late model division at Shano Speedway in the 1970s and into the into the 1980s. And um, he, his uh, two of his sons also raced. And after him, Chad Ruffers uh, began racing as a 16-year-old in the IMCA Modified Division. And have you heard of Luke Ruffers? I have. Yes. I have. Luke Ruffers would be his son. Uh, Luke raced uh, Modifieds and then uh, Late Models in Eastern Wisconsin. And then he got a job with uh, Ganassi Racing um, okay. and was and uh, moved down to uh, the Carolinas uh, to work for Ganassi Racing. But while down there, he still raced his late model and he won a some sort of series championship down in North or North North Dakota, uh, North Carolina. Um, so uh, but uh, so, yeah, they're the sons of uh, Wayne Roofers. Awesome. So I got a, I got a text message today. So, Jim, 2001 was Soda Street Stock National Champion from over. And this, I don't think he had the 71, but the family did. Remember the street stocks built over in Western Minnesota? Not really. The race star <laughs> chassis. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. 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 So. So the Long family was was very big in the racing. Uh, Montevideo, Madison, Canby. So Brian Long actually raced stock cars, kind of like non-sanctioned, open-type stuff, mostly at Monty, Madison, Canby. Ran the, remember the double zero loopies car, the super stock down there? I think it was at Madison when we were down there. He, he, ran, he ran in that car. And then his son, Josh Long, is running in the Wasota Street Stock Division as well. In this family as a whole, so Danny Long actually built Race Star Chassis. He owned that business, sold it. It's been sold a couple different times since. But Jason Long, a national champion in the Wasota Street Stock. So the Long family as a whole, a, a storied history. I think three, maybe four generations of racers over in Western Minnesota. So Lauren, of course, you know Lauren. He's kind of uh, our right-hand guy. He's part of the Country Kitchen gang we'll talk about in a minute. But he sent me a, a pretty cool lineage, right? So in over in Proctor Superior, you know, the Twin Ports area, we all know Dale Carlson, right? Which is Kevin's dad. So yep. in this in this group of people, I believe there's 14 different racers tied in. Okay. So Dale Carlson, of course, was 79, but his brother-in-law, Jim Christian, 71 or 710. I think he was 710. Okay. His son. John Christian also raced. So the Christians were 710, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. So they ran in the street stock in the super stock division. Dale Carlson, his kid, Kevin Carlson, track champion a few years back in Rapids, races in the late model division. Their second cousins with the Hammett Trio, who I think uh, Matt Hammett still races. Um, I don't know if they all still do, but three of them from Cloquet, they're tied into that family. Kevin's second cousin, Paul Carlson. Did yep. you race against Paul Carlson? Yep, yep. I, I believe, uh, well, we can get into that later too, but I believe we had a battle with him one night. I think we did. And then his son, Lucas Carlson, 
actually, he won a bunch of races in the Pierce Stock Division. He had a pretty good career. He had two other brothers that raced as well. And then Paul's sister is married to Dan Follett, <coughs> who raced. And Dan Follett's son, Dustin Follett, raced. So 14 people tied in. So kind of a crazy lineage there. But, you know, just another racing family. That just shows, you know, there's a lot of these little pocket lineages here. That's kind of pretty cool to kind of look how they're tied together. So, Lauren, thanks for that. Um, I got one of my, probably my favorite 71 here, old Rowdy Rudy Aho. So that, my dad, one of his many numbers, number 71, uh, champion over at the Grand Rapids Speedway one year. Um, Six-cylinder division is kind of what he really thrived in. He really, that class really took to him, ran in the super stocks, um, ran a little bit in the modified division. And, and he's still involved, 73 years young, right? And I think he said, I'm going to get my ass. No, he's, he's older than that. He's older he than that. I'm, I'm, he's probably going to like me. I'm going to get some good mail. He's actually 77, I think he is. So I shouldn't know that, but I don't, I don't know that. But he's still involved, right? So he, he helped in Hibbing, you know, for a number of years. He was a president there. He, he helps in Grand Rapids, gets all their sponsors, you know, so – old Rudy Ajo still getting her done and uh, still heavily involved with the sport. But uh, I, had, I had a number 71 on all my cars as well and got my right-hand man here, Bert. So all the national championships I had, he was the one turning wrenches. And Bert, I can tell you this much right now, never one time, not one time, did a freaking tire fall off on the racetrack <laughs> when he was ever. I never had that happen. We talk about that. We're like, what the hell is wrong with these people? And, and you know, what did you say to that? You're like, there's zero chance you would have had a tire fall off. Why is that? No, I, I, I would get, to, I would go down there. I'd get the tires done. I put them on the car, let it down. I would torque them. I go up on the trailer, think to myself, damn it. Did I torque the lug nuts? Go down there, check them again, go down, double check the air pressures. I mean, it, it, it was done three times before every race guaranteed. Yeah, I never had to worry about, you know, a lot of people have pit guys and help and all that. You know, it's like, if you have the right guy, you don't have to worry about any of that. You can focus on the track. And he wasn't always my pit guy, right? I, I didn't always have a good pit crew. Actually, I met him in Grand Rapids. Why don't you talk about how that all happened? Well, uh, me and my buddy, Matt Sorensen, I don't remember if it was a Friday night and there was a rain out down in Superior, if it was a weekday special. I want I feel like it was a fair race or something. We decided to take a run up to Grand Rapids and we're just walking through the pits to go watch. And, you know, I hear someone yelling at me, hey, you, hey, you, get over here. I need help. And uh, I look over and there's A-hole laying underneath the super stock trying to change a transmission. And back in them days, we they would gear through the transmission and say, get under here, help me with this. And <laughs> that was how we met. <laughs> yeah didn't even know him. they're like hey, you get over here and i i had a lot of stories like that a lot of people can relate i went to a lot of races by myself and it was nothing for me to find somebody to help and, and it ended up being him and that worked out pretty well that was we had, we had a great career so bert do you have any questions you know i, I told you jim was going to be on here is there anything kind of bouncing around in your mind going i'm kind of curious about this well, um, one thing, uh, you know, Ryan's pretty passive on this show. You know, he really doesn't let his emotions show at all. Um, were there any times when you had to uh, help restrain Ryan to make sure that he didn't go to jail? <laughs> You're cutting out really bad. We can't hear you. Oh. 
Well, you know, there, there's probably numerous amounts of times, but the one that I remember, I think him and I almost came to blows because he was going to get us kicked out of Wasota. He was so mad at someone just freaking out after getting taken out in a heat race or something and chasing someone across the pits when I had to pretty much pin him against a fence by his throat and <laughs> calm him down. And there was probably words had between us and we probably didn't talk for a day. <laughs> yeah, we, we were a little heated back in the day, but usually, I mean, it was all passion. I mean, we were hungry. We, were, we wanted to win, you know, and, and how many times, Jim, did we kind of have the conversation that racing ain't fun? Oh, winning's fun. Winning's fun, right? And people are like, well, racing's fun. No, no, we're here to win. We ain't here to race. That was kind of our mentality back then. Ooh. You know, I so he talks about me being feisty. I remember oh, I was I was in the car, but didn't you almost lose a shoe one night? Yeah, I did. World Outlaw Showdown at Cedar Lake. It's kind of, you know, you've talked about on the show how you don't get many opportunities to go race and showcase your stuff in front of that many people and you know, going down there expecting, uh, you know, it would go straight up from the heat races. And we got second in the heat race. And I, I want to say it was the Bowmeister, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, you know, just pissed off after not winning the heat race. And, you know, I think he probably chopped you to preserve the win. And I'm pissed off. And I don't know, I tried to kick a rock or something. Two probably <laughs> flew over the fence. Bad deal. Embarrassed myself. And then it was draw, redraw. And we ended up winning the damn show anyway, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it worked out pretty good for us that night. So, any other questions there, Bert? I I, I got well, I got a bunch. Go well, ahead. you know, you know, Ryan traveled a lot, won a lot of races. I'm sure that uh, he compensated you well for all your help. Well, you know, there was some really good compensation. There was usually a cooler full of Mountain Dew and occasional <laughs> Shepherd brought. You know, uh, you know, a couple of you know, bad words towards you, maybe. All the compensation I needed was winning races. I mean, we, we shared the same hunger to just go out there and win. Yeah, I, I, I probably have a couple of IOUs I should probably send you, but we'll, we'll worry about <laughs> that later. So think about all the different things that we did at the track, right? You know, and you don't see this stuff today. I mean, Remember changing engines at the track? Well, it's happened a couple times. It's happened at the track. It's happened in hotel parking lots. It's, you know, blow up in no, hot nobody... Proctor and change an engine to go try to get it ready for a heat race. And Yeah, nobody yeah. does that anymore. Now people, yeah. they're like, oh, man, I, I broke something little. I'm going to load up. I'm done for the night. We'll try again next week. Well, all of that stuff, changing engines on during the night was because we were trying to win the track championships yeah, and now they don't they don't seem to matter like they did but what in, in your mind is is the lack of passion towards track championships good or bad for the sport well it's awful because it, it takes away from the car counts at the local tracks on a given night i mean I feel like people are more chasing big shows and and you know kind of almost robbing your every week fans of, of a quality show i mean Back in the day, I think our thing was, all right, we want to not just win a national championship, but we want that triple crown. We want to win three track championships too, you know? Right, right. Bert, anything come to mind when we talk about track championships? How many track championships did you guys win? <laughs> I think I got 25 or 26 track championships. So, yeah, we, we're pretty passionate. That's what we raced for. I mean, when we raced, I mean, 
nothing against anybody else, how they do it. Right. But I always wanted to race for something. So racing to just race on that given night, wasn't enough for us. We wanted to win the championship, the national points. I mean, how mad did we used to get? I mean, back in the day, there was two B mains half the time in Superior and Hibbing for sure. And if we went out there in the heat and got second in the heat and got third in the feature, I mean, a lot of people would be happy. They're like 35 yeah. cars. We get second in the heat, third in the feature. We're like, this is a bunch of crap. Right. Yeah, it was kind of a waste of a night. It's not a keeper. Move on, right? 57 and a sticker. That was kind of the thing. <laughs> that's for sure. So, you know, kind of looking at it here. You know, what, what is some of your best memories uh, in the super? You know, we had a stint in the late model, a little bit the mod, but in the super stock, you know, what sticks out to you is, is some of your favorite moments that we had? Well, I mean, you know, one of, you know, there's lots of them, of course, that, that world outlaw shoe kicking incident that, that night, uh, you know, ended up turning out to be all right. But I, I, you know, my favorite one would probably be Deer Creek chasing down Don Aitchens back-to-back night from nights from 12th to clinch a national, our first national championship. That's, that, that, that's the best one. I mean, you got Clinton Stacia coming all the way from Eldora to come and catch us win a national championship, the party in Sean Kelly's trailer. I mean, it, it was all good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, that we, we kind of, I didn't really tie one on very often, but I think that <laughs> night we did. And Don came down, celebrated with us and, I don't know if you had a hand in this. I should ask, but I woke up the next morning and there was duct tape burnt down the whole side of my trailer that said 2000 national champion. The whole trailer was duct tape. I know that that was mostly Jeff Erickson. Did you have a hand in that too? Or are you kind of an innocent party in that deal? I, you know, quite honestly, this is the first I've even heard of it. Oh, that was a bit. The, the way I remember it, you and Missy disappeared and the rest of us party. <laughs> probably, probably true that's probably true so head games right so we're always racing for championships we wanted to win you know and we like we not only did we want to win we wanted everybody to kind of have the mentality that like we're there to win and they're gonna have to deal with us what are some of the head game things that you can remember us doing you know on the track off the track before the race different things like that oh my goodness it's it's endless i mean you know there i i would i would play games with the guys we'd have the local guys on a regular night they they'd walk over to our car see which right rear tire you're running they'd look they'd see it they go over to their car bolt that on their car i just for fun jump off the trailer and change it just to make them jump off the trailer and change it we you know we had fake lead weights that i would just randomly bolt and the dead middle of the car just to see if they would go bolt a 50 pound chunk of lead in the middle of the car. You know, I mean, um, the old rod and reel was a fun one, you know, with the point average days when one lap into the race, you got a yellow and you're pulling up next to the leader, revving it up and giving them the old rod and reel, you know, I mean, that's, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. It, it was, it was good. I mean, you, you could go to the draw window and people are looking at the board and you, you know, you're sitting good when the guys are back there and, you can just stand behind them and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah I should get second or third in this one. Cause that guy's in our race. I mean, it, it, it was, uh, they were intimidated before the race even started half the time. And, you know, another thing we had fun with, I probably had more fun with it than you, but kind of both of us is you were always my stick signal guy, you know, and, and there was even tracks that are oh, like, oh, yeah. we don't, we don't allow them here. And we always found a way. I mean, everybody does. So Bert, just so you know, when tracks or series say, we're banning stick signals, right? They do it anyway, 
right? They're going to find a different way to do it. So don't even ban it because it's just stupid. You're going to find a way to do it. But I, what are a couple memories that you have on the stick signals um, from a few of our races? Well, I mean, the greatest feeling in the whole world, just spreading your arms as wide as you can. But, uh, you know, by far and away, I mean, we had probably two seasons, but one summer where we battled hard in the super stocks with Mike Belfi. And it was every night they were one, two. And, and it got to the point where he's just looking at my signals, trying to figure out what Ryan's going to do. So we're changing the signals up so they don't, you know, he thinks it means this, but it means something else. And, you know, mess him up a little bit and win a race is, is a lot of fun. Well, he kind of messed up and told us that he was onto our signals. Right, right. That like he his... shouldn't have did that. That was kind of a don- that's kind of a donkey award there for right. Mike Belfi giving us that little heads up. Appreciate it though. But yeah, yeah he told us that, so we're like, oh shit, because he was fast. He was like a legit, oh, he was awesome, you know, contender. Man. He was really tough to beat. So yeah, now I remember a specific time, Bert. We went down to Madison, and they were NASCAR, and they switched up, and they went uh, with soda for a they had a firecracker 100 or firecracker 50 it was a fourth of july race and they had it was like a midweek deal and it was like their first stint that was sort of racing and jim came down there with me and i it turned out galen real happy with me what happened there well the way i remember we went straight there from that 2000 to win show at menominee i think if i'm not mistaken Drove all the way to Madison, never been there before, didn't know what gear to run, you know, went out, probably dominated him in the heat race and had the wrong gear. I think we wound up changing him again, but old Ryan, he goes out for the feature and passes a guy for the lead. And I don't even remember what the guy's name was. He passes him for the lead and then he rolls out of the throttle and lets the guy pass him back. And then he gets back in the throttle. He passes him on the bottom, passes him on the top, probably like, I don't know, four or five times before I'm flipping him off down there, knowing that he's just jacking around. And I was mad. I'm like, yeah, I mean, come all the way to Madison from Menominee to come here for you to get a tire speared, you know? <laughs> he's giving me signals, Bert, and they turn out from this to this to like this to <laughs> right? like this. And he, he was, I come in the pits and I, if he could have swung at me there, I, I, I probably had it coming. He was not happy. And yeah, that we, we kind of played with that guy and then we put it in kill mode and we just drove away. But that was, that was fun. Madison was a really fast racetrack. I mean, think about all, I mean, you lived in Proctor or Duluth, I, I guess West Duluth at the time, but I mean, hour and 15 minutes, 20 minutes to come up to Chisholm, a lot of nights in the shop, you know, and nowadays, and nothing against it. Things have changed. I get it. But nowadays people buy cars and they, they, they get the setup book with it and they just kind of do what the setup book says. Is that how we did it? I think we had to build our own setup book. I mean, it was, uh, well, when I first came around, uh, you know, we had good stuff, one, like 20 features and, and we're pretty successful. And I think we came out the next year thinking we were going to win a national championship and we were kind of behind Brady Smith and our car didn't pivot near as good as his. And I think we spent endless hours on the scales and cutting things up and trying to make the car, you know, get enough left side and get enough left front weight to, to make it pivot as well as his did. Yeah. We spent a lot of time there. And, you know, speaking of, of that, right. You always, he always told me, Bert, and, and did this happen in, in the MJ pit? Did, did MJ ever come in and then the pit guy's like, the car's doing this. Like, you got to fix it. And MJ's like, no, it's not. It's doing this. Did that ever, them conversations ever happen that you can recall? Um, 
I, I was never too involved with the setup of the race car. Uh, but I mean, MJ pretty much had, you know, there's, uh, you know, just a couple of people who, who uh, he talked to about setup, you know, everybody kind of had, excuse me, their, their own little duties. And, you know, there's only a small group that uh, was involved in the setup of the car. <laughs> Yeah, we had them conversations daily, and it usually went like this. You're tight in the middle. I'm like, you're an idiot. Not tight in the middle. You know what the hell you're talking about. He goes, you're tight in the middle. I can see it. I'm watching it. You need to get the car to rotate. I'm like, the car, we just won. Like, what are you talking about? It wasn't until we started getting videotaped and looking at the tapes, and I'd be like, oh, shit. <laughs> you're right. Hey, we're tight in the middle. I've been telling you that for how many years? And so drivers, if you're out there and you're thinking, my pit guy's always telling me something. He's probably seeing something that you, you know, can't feel. What do you, what's your thoughts on that, uh, Jim? What's your memories on them deals? <laughs> we went to a master's built racing school back in the day. And uh, Keith Masters stood there and said the same thing. told us that. He goes, the drivers are dumb. They only remember the last thing that happened to he goes, the car's, the car's loose off the corner. Well, it's probably loose off the corner because they had to jack it into the corner because it was too tight getting in. There's a reason. And they only remember the last thing. Yeah, that, that's exactly true. I can't tell you how many times I see that. I'm maybe helping somebody on the phone and the exact same thing's happening. So late model stint. We kind of, we won a national championship. We got second. We'll talk about that. We, get, we won the Natty, right? Our first national championship beat all nations. The next year we get second. Is there anything that sticks out from that year that maybe leaves a little bad taste in your mouth or that you're, you know, kind of the one that got away, so to speak? You know, if I'm being honest, I don't even hardly remember getting second. I just blocked that out of my mind altogether. You know, if I remember right, and, and I could be wrong, I think we had a disaster at the Northern Nationals where a rear end may have gotten ripped out of the car. Is that the year with uh, Murado at the Northern Nationals? Yep. Leading. Um, was that the same year as the Soda 100 leading that we got wrecked? No, that was 04. That was 04. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I just remember having some uh, late years, probably having to go to some tracks you didn't want to have to go to to, to race, chasing racing instead of racing for money and racing for fun, you know? Right, yeah, exactly. And I Well, the, the end of the year deal at Superior Ray Note, they're supposed to have the uh, race oh, champion yes. deal. Yes, we won yeah. the heat. Icens didn't even make the show. We had to go to the B. We're outside hole and it freaking <laughs> smoked, Bert. And it's like, oh my goodness. Shit. That, that, that <laughs> I don't one, remember that, yeah. That, and I, I begged them. I'm like, I'll race for free. Like, I just want to race. Like, that's all I want. I just want to race. But then we <laughs> made the jump over into the late model division. And I'll be honest, like, we didn't know much. We we didn't even know what we didn't know when we got into the late model division, but we had we, we had some pretty good runs in there. What sticks out to you from our uh, late model days? Well, what sticks out to me now is it came back to me. The host car was Jeff Wildung. Yes. What do he wear? What do you have, a 50 or something, maybe? Yep, yep. Um, well, I mean, right away at the beginning of the year, piling up the car and wrecking it and having to go back to Fagers and rebuild the thing, uh, go down to Deer Creek. The thing won't even run. And Dave Adams is there trying to help us get it running. But then, uh, you know, had some help from some guys that, you know, taught us a little bit more than what we knew. And we, we were pretty strong and hibbing. We, we could win races up there where it was slow and you didn't need 625 horse at the time. You know, we, 
we were we had a pretty good grasp on a dry racetrack and you know um uh, there was i don't remember if it was the first year or the second year we had a wdrl race where we performed pretty darn well and <laughs> with had like four wheels, four tires, and we had a brand new tire, but we didn't have time to, you know, groove it, sipe it, mount it, and get it on for the feature. And Hey, we actually started in the front row in the heat race next to Burt's uh, Eastern Wisconsin guy, Pete Parker, in, in that deal, won the heat. I remember Steve Lokes, who said, you know, because we had a, an underpowered Wasoda motor. He's like, you win the heat, they'll buy you two tires tonight. And, well, like, we, all right fair enough right we go out there we win the heat we beat pete parker we win the heat at the wdrl deal we get two tires and we only had four wheels the four that were on the car so we didn't have time to even put them on so that was yeah that was definitely interesting the best part to... about that one was the next day we went to ashland for a race and we pitted next to brady smith and i got to pull that thing off the car show him this tire down to the cords that beat him the night before <laughs> <laughs> yeah he shook his head like i wouldn't have ran that but yeah he he has some pretty good funding behind him, but probably attitude probably helped with that. I was a little bit more feisty than he was. So what was your favorite? My favorite moment was at Cedar Lake. I mean, in the, in the late model, Tony Stewart night. Remember that night? <laughs> uh, how can I forget? It was uh, AO driving through the infield, spinning out Tony Stewart because Hesslink was in the way. Uh, Stewart throwing his helmet at Hesslink, if I remember right. Gloves, gloves. Oh, was it gloves? All right, all right. Yep. Three wide to the finish. Finish with Eggersdorf and Door. We win the race, and they give a second or third. I, I mean, <laughs> we end up getting second in that one. I, I wish I. That's had that, that's I, the first time I've ever heard that the flag stand isn't the finish line. It's actually, you know, somewhere where you weren't in the lead because you know you're not from here. <laughs> He's still better about that. I yeah, it was <laughs> that was that was probably our best run ever, and it was a second, but it was a, it was a fun time. And then a couple, a couple more things here outside of racing Proctor. I, I always considered Proctor, my home track. I love that place, but we had a tradition like, and it was a big deal. Like there was a bunch of us. What, I mean, what was the tradition that we had every Sunday night for 20 years in Proctor? Well, it was a whole big group of us, uh, you know, obviously me and you and your crew and Clinton, Chad and Lauren and, flex and god knows a whole bunch of people lauks and ron and jackie and we'd go out to proctor country kitchen after the races and god it was loud and rowdy and we raised a whole bunch of trouble we uh bert we were so that was like we were our locals we had our own deal called the racers uh special and all that but i remember i won the feature one night and jim decided he's gonna dump a cooler over my head because it was must have been a big special or whatever so we get parked there. It was track. We won the championship. I think that was the night we had to change motors and we won the championship. And I walk in that place with a, you know, you know remember them silver <laughs> those spray bottles? Yeah, fire extinguishers. Yeah. I walked right into that place and I completely douched everybody with water inside Country Kitchen. Okay. That would, you'd go, that would not be allowed today, but they, we were like regulars there. Once that place closed down, I quit racing. I just was no longer interested because food mattered a lot. And right. uh, speaking of food, one last thing here, and then if you have any closing thoughts, but for the for the people racing today getting started, what makes you slow? Well, rumor has it, well, there's a few things that make you slow, but uh, 
uh, as far as food's concerned, I mean, you don't ever eat a mushroom. I mean, if you, if you ever want to go backwards, just eat a mushroom. Yep, for sure. Now, there's some, there's a couple other things. I'm, I'm kind of trying to pull something out of here. That name three, four things that come to mind that we always said, oh, not we, you said, and hey, I had to listen to the crew chief. This, 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 and this make you slow. Oh, obviously, we said mushrooms, uh, red race cars, slow, whites, probably even slow. Um, drinking, that makes you slow. And that's about all I got. Oh, cuddling for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk more about that in a minute because there's a couple of guys out there that may be a little too domesticated to be competing at a high level that are doing a lot more cuddling than prep work in their race shops. Bert, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But uh, with that said, any any other things that come to mind uh, before we jump on to the next segment? It's been fun kind of reminiscing here and kind of bringing yeah. back a few memories. But anything else that comes to mind before we move on? Well, just one thing. I, I, I was getting a few text messages before we did this from, I believe it was Gutty, right? Yeah, Jeff. And well, I think it was probably Jeff. Texting, was it Jeff? It was, yeah. All right. Yeah. Just, you know, so I just wanted to give a shout out to the, you know, the double bubble days and all of that. And, you know, uh, tell them guys hello. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we had some good times. I'm telling, well, I mean, do you remember the days? We'd get done racing. The Wasota Classic, Labor Day shootout was our big deal. We'd have the old body on for the Friday deal, and we'd come home 3 o'clock race time. What would we do after the race is Friday night with a 3 o'clock start time? What would we do that night before Labor Day shootout? Come home, tear the body off, put a brand-new body on, nut and bolt the whole car, I mean, scale it, uh, everything. I mean, complete top-to-bottom maintenance, you know, usually ended sometime around 8 in the morning. Sun was always up. Uh, it, it was awful. It was awful, but we always looked good for day one of Labor Day before you tore the thing up. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> fair enough. So well, I tell you what, man, we got we to do this again. It was fun having you on here, reminiscing yeah. back some old 71A days. But uh, Jim McClellan, uh, Bert, that was my right-hand man for many, many years. I had lots of great people that helped me, but he was probably the one that stuck out the most. So, Jim, thanks for jumping on, and we'll move on to the – to the rest of the show here. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. 10th annual Cajun Clash, USMPS Modified, they had three nights of racing down at uh, Vivian, Louisiana. But first, quick shout out, Brad Parson, Egg Solutions. The snow is going to melt. I promise it's going to happen. Okay. And all you farmers in, in Western Minnesota, North South Dakota, you're going to have to get crops in the ground. You're going to have to fertilize. You're going to have to get the right stuff, the right chemicals in your spray packages. Great results. If you're looking for high yields, if you're looking for high, um, I guess, high profitability, because that's what you're trying to make money farming. Heard the rumors, right? If you're trying to do that, get the right stuff. Give Brad a call, 320-219-3500. Four two, and uh, he'll take good care of you. Four racers by racers. Egg solutions from Brad Parson. So, a little quick recap. I'll just give a quick recap. Thursday night, the thriller Kate Dillard parked in Victory Lane. Jim Chisholm second. A little bit of drama there. We'll get into that in a second. Friday night, Caden uh, Carter parks in Victory Lane. Hell of a run from uh, Tom Berry Jr. Fourteenth to second. And Saturday night, um, Tyler Wolf got it done in the MB. Chris Hennigan, kind of a local guy down there. He got second. Dan Ebert, guy that was battling for the point. Well, he had a rough week, Bert. He had a, a flat, 
then he got in a crash. It wasn't his fault. He just got caught up in something, took a pretty bad hit, took the lethal out on night three, parked it uh, fifth place on. So kind of salvaged the weekend, um, kind of keeping an eye on him because he's our local guy. We want him to run good. We want him to win the points. He's our, he's our Minnesota guy, right? No Jake Tim. Oh. Were you surprised that he opted to go race the late model at the Lucas Oil MRA, MLRA, rather than running the modified down at the USMPS show? Uh, well, he likes, uh, he usually races every MLRA race at, uh, at Wheatland, but I mean, obviously, uh, this means he's not running for the championship uh, in USMTS. I mean, that that's the only thing that surprises me is that, uh, um, you know, he's not he's not going to run for the championship in in that series. Yeah, the second week wasn't very good, he, but he started out. He won night number two. Was point leader after the first two nights. So yeah, I was kind of disappointed. Shout out here, night number one. Did you first of all? Did you watch any of these features? Did you get a chance I, to see them? I did not watch any of the features. Okay, so. Night number one, local kid, Tate Hansen from over in central Minnesota, New London, I think, or Spicer, kind of by the Wilmer area, started fourth in his heat, but won the heat. When I saw he won his heat, I'll be honest with you, I looked at it, I'm like, I must start it on the pole. He did not. Started fourth. Nobody in his heat. Rodney Sanders, Terry Phillips, nobody good. Um, just kidding. They're both <laughs> great, right? But impressive run. He looked really dicey. And in uh, he got a 10th place finish, which that's I think that's his best career finish with the USMTS. So a shout out there, Tate and Hansen with a solid night number one, night two, night three, not so good. But there's a 60 cars down there. There's a lot of good race cars to finish in the top 10, win a heat. That's a, that's a momentum builder. Hopefully he can build on that. Um, night number one, Rodney Sanders, who had been struggling, right? Talk about cuddling. Got married a couple of years ago. Got a kid, you know, he's domesticated, kind of slowed down. I don't know if that's why. We'll find out, right? But the fact of the matter is, he uh, he was struggling. He had a really good run here last week, 30th, I think, the fourth. Now he's battling for the lead. He's in second. They're in lap traffic. He's looking dicey. Gets together with a lapper. I right? did see. I did see this clip that you had sent me. Yeah. So they get together. He ends up spinning off the top at turn number three. Rodney Sanders to the back tough break for him what, what's your thought when you saw that um i mean i don't i don't think the lapper did anything wrong it was just um it was just a, a racing deal you know he was trying to get on the outside of the lap i mean as you know from what i can tell from when i watched it you know the lapper kept his line you know he didn't deviate or anything um so if he, I think he breathed up a little bit, but what is it like a sudden move or anything? It, you're right. It's a racing deal. And we had to watch that in super, super, super slow motion to even see what happened there. Cause initially <clears throat> watching it, it just looks like he kind of went off the top of three, you know, watching it on the phone, but the Jim Chisholm got to the inside of the lapper, the lapper breathed up, not a lot of room there. And they literally just touched tires. I mean, it was uh -huh. so minor, but enough to kind of send him off the track. He was done very much impossible to make any call other than what they did. I mean, it, it sucks. I mean, Rodney Sanders certainly didn't just drive off the track by himself. Impossible to make that call in real time. There's just no way. 
And, uh, you know, the lapper probably kind of looked and he's like, Hey, I got a guy to the inside. I'm going to kind of give him just hint of room. And there's Rodney on the outside. That happened to me one time I was racing John Seitz for the lead in Bemidji. And we went to go around the guy, local guy there. And he saw, we got the move over flag. He saw John on the inside. So boom, he did move up and he flipped me and I hit the wall wide open in the front straightaway. Wasn't that bad, but just kind of a racing deal. Tough break for uh, rocket Rodney there. Best race of the weekend there, night number two. Um, Tom Barry Jr. is going to be a he's going to be a force. He's a we everybody talks. Oh, IMCA, IMCA, that IMCA sucks. This dude's a, he's legit. He's an IMCA guy jumped into the USMPS ranks, and uh, I'm telling you what, this guy already has a win, right? Already has a win, and 14th to second, and he was hunting at the end of that one. So that's on race and dirt. You can catch that probably worth a watch. If you like modified racing, jump on race and dirt and check that out. And then Saturday. Well, hey, I have a, I have a question for you. Um, just, just came into my mind. Um, now you said, you know, IMCA, you know, um, he's just an IMCA racer. Um, in your opinion, you've raced mods. Um, would it be more difficult to jump from IMCA to USMTS or to go from USMTS to IMCA. And what I'm asking is because with IMCA, I mean, everybody describes their tires as hockey pucks. And um, I mean, obviously, you, you know, you have the power difference with the engines, uh, but to go from hockey puck tires wouldn't that be an easier transition to go from hockey puck tires to USMTS with uh, better tires and going from better tires to uh, worse tires? Maybe because you're going from IMCA to USMTS, so you're you're getting better grip, right, with that American right. racer compared to the Hoosier G60, but you have way more power, right? right. So you have more power and, and you have a blade. You got the blade on the back. Right. I think IMCA doesn't have a spoiler, right? I think they don't have a well, spoiler. Well, IMCA has a small blade if they run the crate engine. Okay. So a small blade for the crate, and I think it's a six-inch blade or seven. or so. it's, it's a lot bigger blade on the U.S. MTS right. car. Right. right. On the flip side, you know, when you're going from that to a smaller blade with harder tires and you, you, it's more of a momentum. I mean, they're all kind of momentum deals now kind of a horse apiece right but the one thing i've heard, heard is this i don't care if it's ump imca with soda usmts there is some really really good modified oh, drivers yeah. in all of these divisions i mean i would if 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 i was able to win the lottery and just kind of make one decision in regards to like classes in racing it would be to take the modified division and be like, okay, we're taking a little from you and a little from you and a little from you. And we're going to make one modified class and get rid of all these 872 sanctions. That would be amazing. But who am I? Just a dumbass talking <laughs> on a podcast. No, no big deal. All right. So seven races in USMTS action. Jason Hughes, point leader right now, TP second. Seven races in, Bert. If you had to guess, have you all, I don't know if you've already seen this. No, but how many so i had one of our three bold predictions a while back because i was going to say three three different chassis builders going to win down at that one i think humboldt or whatever so there's been seven 
races ran right now, how many different chassis builders would you say are represented in the seven, over or under four? Right now, I mean, that the actual winners right now, um, just because you're leading me on, I'll say over. <laughs> okay, what number would you go with? Um, I would I would say five. Seven. Okay. Tom Berry Jr. in a Harris, Jake Tim in a Rage, TP in a Bloodline, Ebert in his Mullins, Kate Dillard in a CDR, Caden Carter in the Vanderbilt, and Tyler Wolf in the MB Customs. Talk about parody. That is parody right there. So it'll be interesting to see which one of those chassis builders can double up first. Because remember, Jake O'Neill. He still ain't won a feature, right? He ain't won one yet. That's a different chassis. You you think he's going to win one? I would have to say he's going to win one. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So USMTS uh, Red Hot right now, that's been a great series. Little fan feedback, little shout out here, buyracesearch.com, racing season right around the corner. You need apparel, hats, hoodies, t-shirts, you name it, buyracesearch.com. They can fulfill all your needs. Low budget, high budget, big quantity, low quantity, simple, super extravagant, you name it, they can do it. Check them out, buyracerch.com. So Josh sent me a couple just a quick feedback deals here, Bert, and I'm going to ask you a question on this. So is there a certain breakdown on at, at Shano, big half-mile track, like between two, three, four heats? Like, Do you know if there's a certain breakdown they have to have in order to transition, say, from two heats to three heats and so on? I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the IMCA rules for the IMCA division stipulate as to how many cars are in a heat. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what they are and, and I'm not, um, yeah, I, I'm not positive on that. So let's say this big half mile track over there in Shano, 18 cars. What's your thoughts on three heat races for 18 cars? I think that's too many. Yeah. <laughs> that's a snoozer, right? He said, that's a pet peeve of his. And I got to agree. He goes, what? and I get it. Some of these tracks are trying to film the program because they don't have no car count or whatever. But he said, one of my biggest pet peeves is why on earth are some of these tracks when they have 18 cars running three freaking heat races, there ain't one person in the grandstands that wants to watch a six car heat. It does not happen. They're not entertaining. And Hibbing used to have a rule, I don't know if they still do, that it was two heats until you got to 21, right? And then it would go to three heats. And I belly ached about that for years because there was points, right, in heat races. It wasn't just feature points. And if I drew, like, last and I was going to start 10th in the heat, man, I fought tooth and nail. I'm like, we need to have three heats. What are we doing? Because I wanted to start a little further forward than 10th. But now there's no more track points in uh or any kind of points in heat races so let's just let's get back to the little bit bigger heats here it makes no sense to have three heats um the other thing he said and this is a good idea a little feedback he said you know we've talked about it a number of times the only person that disagrees is puka three hour window is about perfect little little shy of that even might be better right but instead of running six seven classes like some tracks do on a regular night he goes racers today 
you know, if you want to keep your family dynamic together, right, they, it's nice to have a night or two off. Why not alternate classes, right? Give every class a couple nights off during the year. So if they want to go do something different or hit a different rate, they can. And I think that's a, that's a good idea to do. I've seen that done at tracks with, with some success. So let's jump into uh, World of Outlaw Sprint Car Action. They ran down at Devil's Bowl, Mesquite, Texas. But first, Bert, quick shout out, Daytona One Performance Lubricants, okay? Founder of this company, Nassau Hall of Fame for lubricants. He knows what he's talking about. So... They have multiple different products. They have oil lubricants. They have stuff that can go in your in your gear oil. They have lots of different stuff, but their main product right now, Bert, is tire treatment. They have a cleaner that gets all the release agents out of your tires. And then they have some treatments that help liven your tires back up. They don't recommend necessarily putting it on a brand new tire. They said you don't really need to. But for night two, night three, night four, I talked to a pretty prominent Midwest mod driver, Bert, and he said, I ran my tires two nights one or two nights but typically two nights and that was you know if you ran six nights he had a couple different right rears on couple different left rears right fronts and he said if i could run an extra night or two on my tires that would be a big deal because they don't pay very good so if there's a product out there that allows you to get more life out of your tires and keep money in your pocket is that a good deal that's what daytona one performance lubricants has to offer and i don't have his number here i should have written it down sorry chad and i'll put it in the comments okay but dirt track supply has this product tre has this product but if you're just wondering like all right is this softener is this treatment what does this even mean how does it work if you want some info right get a hold of chad in fact i'm gonna look that up right now all right here we go so Write this number down, 507-828-3536. So that is Chad. And if you're looking for a little information on this product, just to get educated, see what it can do for your race team, he is the guy to call. So get a hold of him. So World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, Bert, they ran pair of nights down at Devil's Bowl Speedway in Mesquite, Texas. Did you watch the highlights from the world of outlaws yes i i did watch uh the features what stuck out to you other than it was not overly exciting um well brad sweet won a race he did big and cat then... that, that was two in a row that was two in a row for the big cat and... brad sweet your uh four time defending wow. back to back to back to back to back to back champion I know, I know how to end that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bert picks him, he's done. So uh, I, I that haven't been happened. picking him, so he, so now he's winning. And then, uh, what? James McFadden won the other one. Yeah, so, J-Mac uh, got her done. Bert Gravel got fourth both nights. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Uh, bad beat, bad beat right there. Gravel leading the point, sweet second, Macedo and uh, rookie buddy Colfoyd in uh, the fourth spot. So. Um, pretty good action. So as far as sprint car racing goes, who the biggest, do you have like, what's your biggest uh, surprise or biggest disappointment thus far in the world of outlaw sprint cars? Well, I, um, I mean, Colfoyle has a win and he finished second to one of the races this past weekend. So, I mean, he's off to uh, a really good start this year. I would say he's kind of a, 
um, I don't know if you want to say unexpected, but you know, he's a driver that's finishing near the top that that's not a household name. Um, and well, um, you don't hear Donnie Schatz's name too often. No, he's kind of consistent. He's there, but he hasn't really, really competed so much for a win yet. You know, and, and uh, yeah, I don't know if that hunger factor is there. I mean, he's always hungry. He wants to win, but boy, he's done it. I mean, a guy has to wonder how much longer is old Donnie Schatz going to do it, you know? And well, actually, another name you really have don't see, you don't hear running near the front is uh, Hoddenschild. That's the one I have, old Buggy Bobby himself. So Sheldon Hanschild, there's, there's been 12 races. He's competed in 12 races. He's got one podium, and it was a third, and then he has a fourth. Boy, we, he, he was hot here the last couple of years, but he's really, really faded. And uh, we'll see if maybe, I don't know what the deal is there. We'll see if he can turn that around. So Sheldon Hanschild, a guy that he needs a little bit of a cushion to kind of bang on. So maybe that's the problem. We'll see if that happens. So the high, the, uh, the high, no high rollers, right? So they got the, what is that what it's called? The high roller series or what's that? What's uh Kyle Larson's series called um, for the sprint I'm not, cars? I'm not sure what it's called. I should have written that down. Donkey award to my dumb ass for not having that written down. I should, <laughs> but here, here's the question. Okay. So the world of outlaws has some different rules in place. Okay. And, and here's kind of the particulars. I got this from a friend of mine. He commented on a post I was on on Facebook and kind of laid out the details. So how the world of outlaws, if you're a contracted driver with the world of outlaws, you can miss four or eight shows. So you can miss four, not miss. I you was going to say it's not miss, yeah, not yeah. miss, not miss. You can race four non world of outlaw sanctioned events and still be eligible for end of the year point fund money and you can race eight right eight you can miss you can race eight of them and still be eligible but only four for your exclusivity bonus okay so you can race eight additional shows outside of the world of outlaws and still get your point fund money you can race four other shows outside of the world of outlaws sanctioned events and get your exclusivity bonus it's bonus money at the end of the year this means right so this series that kyle larson is putting on for the sprint cars it kind of it kind of doing what the trying to do what the flow castro flow racing night in america did to where they're piggybacking off events they're doing weekday stuff and and not really running not they're not running against the world of outlaws but they're running either in conjunction or just totally unrelated to them the world of outlaw drivers, the, the, the drivers that are um, contracted, they can't follow that series, even though it does not go on top of any of the world of outlaw races. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, obviously, the world of outlaw sprint car series can do whatever they want to do. I mean, it's a free country. It's uh, capitalism, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um but yeah, I mean, from a fan, you know, from a fan's perspective, it's, it's not, I mean, can you imagine if uh, they did that for late models, <laughs> world of outlaw late model drivers couldn't race in more, you know, couldn't race in more than eight show other shows other than world. I mean, 
No, I can't was, imagine living in that world. I cannot. <laughs> I mean, that that would be granted. There's a lot more late models out there than there are sprint cars. Well, which which actually makes things worse because there's less cars to pull from. So you're limiting the potential of what these other shows can be and who that hurts is is the fans but i mean it also hurts the drivers because I'm, I'm sure these these shows have some fairly decent purses i mean if kyle larson's behind it, it's got to be some decent purses for these shows and the drivers aren't going to be able to race in all of them yeah so i put a lot of thought into this right and i kind of look and i'm looking at it from two different perspectives at first, I'm like, this is a bunch of crap. They're hijacking their drivers. They're not letting them race other stuff. This is completely nonsense. Drivers should be able to race wherever the hell they want to, right? And, and this is absolutely terrible that they're not letting them. And, and quite honestly, most of the contracted drivers are only going to do the four because they want that extra money, that exclusivity money at the end of the year. There's the Eldora Million. That's going to be two of them right there. And then... The high, that high roller or the high limit series is what it is. They have two fifty thousand to win race. One of them here in a couple of weeks, so that'll probably be the four. So they can't run any other shows other than those four all year long. So all, just the world of all. So they do have a pretty full schedule. So I, I'm like, boy, that sucks. Like if if track A, B, or C decided, hey, I want to have a another fifty grand to win sprint car race none of the world of the drivers would be able to attend that race. That sucks. But let's look at it from the other perspective. The other perspective is when you think world of outlaws, what do you think? What comes to mind first? For most people, maybe not you, you're a late model guy, but for most people, when you say world of outlaws, what do you think about? Well, I mean, like you said, I think late models, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, <laughs> You so think. It, think about it this way: they're protecting their brand, also. Oh, right? right. So, if you're if you're a track that you're like, you know what? Hey, we're gonna have a World of Outlaw Sprint Car Show, but then your neighboring track has essentially a non-sanctioned show, and they all the same cars are there. Well, why the hell would you have a World of Outlaw show and pay more money? You don't really need to do that. So, by them doing this right wrong or indifferent their perspective on it is we're protecting our brand and they're protecting the tracks that are scheduling world of outlaw sanctioned events because you know you take late models i mean who knows where half these late model guys end up they could be at a lucas oil mlra race it could be an xr race it could be at a you know a mars series race they could be at a non-sanctioned race be like well i can see these guys everywhere the world of outlaw guys you can't see them everywhere you see them at world of outlaw races so I guess I can kind of see both things. So Jeff sent over a quick trivia question before we jump off sprints. 1978, first sanctioned World of Outlaw Sprint Car event. Do you know where that was? Cedar Lake. Devil's Bowl Speedway. Come on, I made that too easy for you. Devil's <laughs> Bowl Speedway, Mesquite, Texas. So they, oh. that's where it all started. Jimmy Boyd won that feature. So... Let's jump on over to late model star studded late model field at the Lucas oil MLRA opener down at Wheatland at the Lucas oil speedway Friday, the 20 RT Ricky Thornton jr. He beat out Bobby Pierce and Jonathan Davenport got third good run that night there Bert for rookie Dylan McCown. He won the heat. He actually beat old Bobby Pierce off the front row had a really, really good heat race there fifth in the feature. He's a stud. He's a stud in the mod 
mod guy, Bert, another mod guy, another fast mod guy in the late models right there. Saturday, old Superman got it done, beat out the 25, Chad Stimson and Garrett Elverson. Sorensen blew up. He had the 28 down there, ran both cars, blew up in the in the late model. Jake Tim, who was off to a pretty good start in the modified, didn't make the feature either night. Rough weekend for uh, Jake Tim down there. Probably should have stuck with the USMTS, hindsight 2020. Hopefully he can rebound. And uh, old Brandon Shepard. Brandon Shepard, Bert, another DNQ for Brandon Shepard. He's on the Rumley. He's Rumley's helping him now. He's on Bilstein, right? He's, is he? Is like? Is he the slowest Longhorn out there on Bilstein's with Rumley help? Is he the slowest one? What's the deal there? I don't. I don't know what the deal is. I mean, obviously, um, racing is a lot different when you're in charge of your own program. You know, you don't have to. You know, you have to worry about expenses. I mean. But yeah, I mean, it's not like he's lost talent. You know, it's, you know, obviously it's, it's with the cars setups or, or whatever. Um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to turn, turn it around. We, we talked about this at the end of our little segment there with Jim. Okay. What name off the things that he, you can think of that make you slow. This right, is a quiz. You... This is a quiz. <laughs> Mushrooms. Okay. What else? What else makes Beer. Beer. Cuddling. 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 Dude, Brandon Shepard's domesticated, right? He's got another kid. He moved home. They're they're out doing all this family stuff together. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. Okay. Like it's good to be a family guy. Brandon Shepard's a good dude. I, I'm a big Brandon Shepard fan. I think he's a good human being, hell of a race car driver. But think about this, right? Fighters. You ever hear the thing where fighters, they, they like don't get no loving like a day or two, right? Before a fight because it slows them down and they get soft. He's cuddling too much, Bert. He's cuddling too much. You're going to have to pick a little less cuddling, a little more winning. If you're happy with not winning, keep on cuddling. That's all fine and good. Just a theory. Don't shoot the messenger. Just a theory. Reckless speculation here, Bert, as they say on one of my favorite shows, Purple Daily. Okay. So that right there, uh, late model action was good, but that wasn't the big drama. Bert, big drama, big drama. USRA stock cars were in attendance. USRA B mods, they had modifies, but the, the drama, right? Stock car feature and the B mod feature. I'm going to set it up. I'll tell everybody what happened. Okay. If you haven't seen it, it's on flow racing and you can actually, if you're watching this, I'll post a little clip here. So at the end of the stock car feature, um, I don't remember the guy's name that won, but needless to say the second place car, we won't, we won't put names on this one. The second place car, when the white flag came out, literally he was racing hard. He was racing hard. He got inside the leader, got into his left rear, Got into his left rear again, coming for the checker, kind of spun himself out. They go across the line. The guy wins. At the end of that, all hell breaks loose, right? He literally catches up to the leader, and I don't know if he gestured him or if he just drove by him, but the guy that won the race gave him a little shot in the left rear, and he didn't really take too kindly to that because as soon as he got that shot in the left rear, he took hard left and absolutely just land-blasted the winner. And then he actually 
went on the front straight away while they're putting the victory lane stuff out on the track and literally spun out the winner in the middle of the front straightaway, right? Wow. Needless, needless to say, here's what happened. They, they went on and they, the guy that did all that, that spun them out afterwards, right on the front straightaway, that guy got a $500 fine, 14 day suspension from all the USRE events, one year probation, and he lost in a loss of all points accumulated for everything um, related to that up to this point. Let's start there. What What's your thoughts on that? Did USRE make the right call, the wrong call, drop the ball? What, what What's your thoughts? Um, I don't I don't disagree with the call um, because the driver did excessively push him down the front straightaway when there were safety crew and others walking um, on the front stretch, you know, down in the lower part of the front stretch. So I don't have a problem with the punishment. Um, I I'm going to give a donkey award to a driver, but not necessarily the driver you you think that I would give it to. <laughs> we all right. What do we got? I'm giving the donkey award to the driver who actually won the race. <laughs> I got. I, I'm with you. Why? Um. Uh, did you watch his interview after the race? I did. And he was whining and whining about how he got hit in in the left rear in four. And it's like, yeah, there was contact, but it was not excessive. Or in, He needs to go watch Days of Thunder. And what do they say in Days of Thunder? Robin's racing. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And and add to the fact, right? I should give a donkey award to USRA. Old Todd Staley, come on, guy, what are you doing, right? This guy here, the one, the race, literally made the initial post-race contact. Right. Exactly. So exactly. he hit the guy first, right? You won the race, and then you drive into him after the race. It's like, and he didn't get. So it's it's crazy, right? Because a he started the deal. The other guy did because he ran into him a couple times racing for the lead. But then after the race, he drove into the guy first. That should have been automatic. Yeah. You're disqualified. But the other guy way overdid it. Like he mm-hmm. way, he really got it. But if you're gonna if you're gonna suspend and penalize one, you got to do both, right? Especially when he was in victory lane, Bert, and he basically said, "Well, I was sick of him hit me in the left right. rear, so I took care of it." <clears throat> oh, you did now, did you now, right? <clears throat> well, in the Midwest mod or the B mod, USRA B mod race, a similar not necessarily the post-race antics but there was so, a dr- sorry for the jump but uh we're having a thunderstorm here and it just thundered bert bert in panic mode he's he's sitting there like thinking i thought maybe that guy that you just gave a donkey award was behind your shoulder ready to throw down or something i'm not sure what happened there so in the b-mod feature in the closing laps there was a three-way battle for the lead and we talked about k-jack a little bit he's been really really good in the b-mods well I don't know all the other names. I just know that guy, but there was K Jack was up top and a guy poked the middle and really drove it in hard and slid up and kind of doored him with the right recorder panel. And when that happened, K Jack turned left and literally the, the third place car got inside and they all piled up getting into the next corner, spun, spun themselves out. They put the middle guy to the back. Probably initially it looked like the right call. Well, get that, before you go on, I just want, 
I watched that initially and then I rewatched it a couple of times and I never even knew that uh, he turned to the left because the car in the middle went way high coming out of four and got into him. And then there was a car inside of the middle guy. So I just assumed that the cars had nowhere else to go and they just kind of all came together. I didn't know that he turned left down into him. 100%. That's exactly what I thought too. When I first saw that, I'm like, that guy just drove right up into him with the right rear him, caused a big melee and nobody lifted. And next thing you know, all hell broke loose. After the race in victory lane, Chris Jackson literally says, you know, the guy's like, well, what happened on there? He goes, well, there's a couple drivers and, you know, we'll play the, you can listen to the. I wish I could say I hate it, but um, there's two or three people I race with that I've said the next time they make contact with me, I'm driving over them. And um, I took care of that one tonight. Um, I pushed way up off the racetrack and um, he was going to pinch me off in the wall. So I just hung a left and uh, he got the short end of the stick, hate it for him. We'll go on to next week. But in, he basically said, I'm sick of, there's a couple people I'm sick of them driving. So when he came up and made contact, I turned hard left and I took care of it. Like literally fled flat out. Like I don't regret it. And he's like, he's up there like kind of making gestures and doing all kinds of stuff. Like he's basically proud of the fact that he like took care of business, wrecked that guy. Now, had they just watched that, right? Like you, like you and I did, we would have been like, okay, no harm, no fall. I guess racing deal happened. In victory lane, he said that the next day, USRA and Lucas Oil Speedway officials decided that because he admitted in victory lane that he flat out wrecked the guy on purpose and caused all that stuff, they disqualified him. They gave him a $500 fine, a two-week USRA. Now, keep in mind, he's the USRA BMOD national point leader right now, okay? But he's got, he keeps his points. He didn't lose his points, but he got a, $500 fine, two-week suspension, and a one-year probation from, from USRA. <clears throat> Dumbass of the week, Chris Jackson. Like, if you're going to do something like that, which I'm all for it. You're sick with somebody, and they're running India, hit them back. I'm all good. That's, but we're in today's world, you can't say that, right? We, well, we just Hamlin had that deal. I was just going to say, this is a Denny Hamlin thing, just on the dirt track scene. Is there, in your mind a statute of limitations. So let me give you a hypothetical, right? Let's say we're racing, we're battling it out and deal like that happens. And I kind of fancy or whatever. I, I, I make it look like it's not intentional, but I garbage you. And this is in April and then end of July, right? I'm on a podcast or something. And I'm like, I took care of business. That guy's a dumbass. You saw what I did to him back in April. Did that on purpose. Did it intentional guy. Guys pissing me off. I wrecked him. He ain't hit me since. Is there a statute of limitations where sanctioning bodies can be like, oh, wait a second here now. Like we're going to, you know, is it a, is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? What is there a statute of limitations on that? There would almost have to be. Um, I mean, theoretically it would have to be like in football. Once the next play goes on, you can't, you can't review it. Um, once the next race for that sanctioning body goes on, you can't go back because, you know, if they use points to do lineups and all that other stuff, you know, you can't, you can't go back and redo all that. I, I agree. So racers, 
I wasn't very good at this, the keeping your mouth shut deal. I still really am not. Let's just be honest, right? But the fact is, if you retaliate, you get somebody back, whatever, don't don't say it in victory lane. Don't, don't say it in, in a podcast. Don't say it in an interview because people are being made examples of for opening up their track. Don't be posted on Facebook. Oh, man, I took care of that guy. It's going to come back to bite you. So do your deal. Take care of business. Shut your mouth. Move on. That, that would be my suggestion to you. So, Bert, our weekly pickums here. Standings. Jeff and Kurt at 37. Mike's at 34. Me and Kent are both at 31. Dan's at 30. Brad's at 26. Bert is at 25. You're kind of looking to kind of crawl out of there. And old not-so-hot Carl at 16 looking to maybe wow. make a move here this week. I guess I have to thank you guys for adding the MLRA races because uh, I got two wins out of that. I think field. I got one of them. I think I did get one. I think I had JD one night. So, but yeah, yeah. yeah thank Jeff for that one. Way to go, Jeff. Good call on that one. So this week uh, we got the Kyle Larson late model challenge at volunteer world of outlaw sprint cars at us 36 and at 81 speedway Friday and Saturday. A pair of Lucas Oil MLRA races at Tri-City. Um, we now have one. We were going to pick two, but we now have one Hunt the Front Series event at Alltech for 20 grand to win. And the NASCAR Cup on dirt at <laughs> Bristol. Okay. So, uh, of course, our very own Jonathan Davenport going to be racing in that. So, we're going to see if maybe uh, dirt guys can go three in a row here. That would be kind of cool because... Uh, Tyler Reddick won this last week, right? Kyle Larson the week before, I think is what it was. So back-to-back weeks in the cup series with a late model guy winning. And, uh, Larson, won posted last, that. Larson won this last week. Did Reddick win the week before? Reddick the previous week. Yeah. yeah. So they were the last two. I think Beeswell put that on, on social media. So hoping maybe we can get a third in a row for a late model guy here. So the last lap brought to you by our friends over at Zuli's race engine. So racing season's here. What do you want to do? You got to win race, right? We, we heard Jim on the earlier segment saying racing ain't fun. Winning is fun. Well, how do you win? You got to have good equipment. That includes a good engine, right? Keep track of this stuff because not only do Zuli's race engines win races, they win championships. And if you want to get the right, get off to the fast start, Get a hold of Frank over there because they built some really, really good pieces. Get on the list. Get on the list early. And uh, you want to make sure because he's really, really busy because they have really, really good stuff. Can't beat them? Join them. Zuli's race engines. So a little quick shout out to the folks at Village Lanes in Superior, Wisconsin. So the, the crew over there at Village Lanes, they've been sponsoring races for eons, right? Uh they, they have a car show every year and they have a, a fish fry and it was cold, but it was very well supported. So just want to thank them guys for all they do for racing Midwest modified. We got a little, we got another third generation driver here, Bert. I'm jacked for this one. I'm jacked. I talked to Buzzy Adams today, the human highlight reel, his kid, right? I think he's 14. I, I have notes on my phone. In fact, I'm going to look at it as we talk because I literally, have some pictures here that we can post of this dude. So Blake Adams is going to be racing in the Midwest Modified Division. Buzzy is going to run Red Cedar and Rice Lake pretty much weekly. Blake, 70% at Red Cedar, 
most of the nights at Rice Lake, he's in Travel League Baseball and the uh, Twin Porch people. He's going to be racing Proctor. Super, super excited about that. 14 years old, four years on the cart. Bert, how many feature wins do you think this kid has? In the cart? Yeah. How many years has he raced? Four. Um, 40. A hundred and three. A hundred and three feature wins. Not very, he's kind of an underachiever, right? Kind of an underachiever, 103 wins. But I mean, what a legacy, right? You got Dave Adams, Buzzy Adams, right? Of course, on the other side of the family, you got Tim McMahon in his 50th year. He's, he's in an MB. They got a used one that was wrecked. They fixed it up and he's going to race a lot. The third generation of Adams. And I asked Buzzy, I said, Buzzy, it would be awesome for you to race for a national title, right? I mean, the modified division heating up. You got Johnny Brokey, TPO, two-time defending champ, Shane Sabraski. I was like, you got to add Buzzy Adams to the mix. He's like, I got one still in me. Ain't going to be this. You're going to focus on the kid. But I I think it'd be kind of fun to race for another natty. So Buzzy Adams fans, I'm excited for when that happens. But super excited for Blake to be behind the wheel. Did you see Devin Moran um, doing some fenderless stuff? Uh, yeah, one of my friends sent me a picture of a sprint car uh, that Devin Moran uh, was going to be racing. And, um, you know, it was a screenshot from Facebook. So the first thing he sent it to me on Sunday. So the first thing I did was to see when it was originally posted on Facebook, because if it was posted on Saturday, then I would just chalk it up because it was april fool's day on saturday but it was sunday when it was posted so yeah it it, it was legit <laughs> sounds like he's gonna run the million to win so that's gonna be pretty cool sounds like he's gearing up to run a 410 in that deal so Devin moran gonna do a little sprint car racing there that'll be kind of fun speaking of racing things they're not used to superman jonathan davenport double duty this weekend we'll touch on that more in a second Almost a donkey award because in our pickums, I picked him to win on the late model. I'm like, what a dumbass. Like, he's going to be racing NASCAR. Stupid. Jeff, thank, uh, thank <laughs> you, Jeff, because he, he literally slipped and told me that I picked him. Um, Don Shaw, quick shout out to Don Shaw, owner of the I 94 uh, EMR Speedway in Fergus Falls, got another win down in the desert. Boyd's Speedway, who's been having some bigger late model stuff, World of Outlaw action and, and stuff, stuff like that. Sounds like they sold the track and they're closing the doors. Not sure if they're going to reopen. Tough deal for the track down in Georgia. Um, Ricky well, Weiss. Well, the fact that a construction company bought it, that's not a good sign. That's usually not good. So let, let's just try to stay optimistic and see if things turn around. But, man, that's a tough deal. It, it's, uh, it sucks to see another one bite the dust. Ricky Weiss won at Bristol in a... I don't even know what the series is, um, but some kind of a regional or local type deal or whatever thoughts. Well, it was funny. Cause I saw that he, I saw a post on Facebook, Ricky Weiss, uh, cherry picking at Bristol, <laughs> you know, and, and here's the deal. Ricky's racing. Now he races for a living. I think that's all he does is build cars, you know, race for a living. And yeah, it sounds like he lost one of his bigger sponsors and all that. So, I mean, is it kind of come down to the fact that you got to do what you got to do to pay the yeah. bills and uh, so uh, hopefully he can find himself a big sponsor. It's kind of fun to have another Northern guy to cheer for on some of these big races. So let's jump into the three bold predictions. Well, before okay. we get to that, uh, since we oh. mentioned that he was going to be making his first Xfinity start 
Um, uh, Garrett Krause finished in the top 10 in his first uh, Xfinity start in uh, okay. NASCAR. So. That's a solid night then for him, or solid day, I guess it would be. Thundering and lightning, boomers over there <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> so three bold predictions we got a couple off the board here Bert. so first of all i and i had a bad beat i said last week that gravel sweet and buddy colfoid would each have at least one podium this past weekend at the devil's bowl speedway brad sweet got a win buddy colfoid got second david gravel got a pair of fourths that sucks that's bullshit. close 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 but no cigar <laughs> Close, but no cigar. <laughs> Bert, you had one come off the board for a win. Jimmy Owens is not going to have a Lucas or World of Hola win through March. Would you like to give a special thank you to Mother Nature, possibly? Because he had zero World of Hola or Lucas races in March, right? So there is that. That that kind of helped. I think he would have won at least one. So we'll, we'll still give you the point, though. So you got that one. Good job. So standing, <laughs> I have ele- I have eleven correct and twenty six incorrect. Eleven still on the board. Twenty nine point seven um, batting average here. Bert, you got seventeen correct, eighteen incorrect, fifteen on the board, and a forty eight point six average i got a lot of work to do you're getting a big jump on me here so the, we each week we're picking three bold predictions where you know we we say if we got it right we say if we got it wrong and and quite frankly it has to be something that is quantifiable like it either did or did not happen not an opinion-based deal so jeff has one that he threw out here bert he said if you take a line on a map and draw a line from Green Bay to Minneapolis to Aberdeen, South Dakota. That's kind of almost a straight line all the way across there. There will be no races north of that line before May 1st. Shano's in that. Shano's north of Green Bay, right? It, yeah, Shano would be a little bit north of Green Bay. Yeah, Ogilvy's north of Green Bay. So, Jeff? Mr. Negativity, kind of a dick move here. I, oh, we hope you're wrong. We want racing to happen before that. Okay. So, Bert, we'll start with you. What's your, what's because your first I think He said May 1st, right? Yep. So, Sean was supposed to open on the 15th. So, they would have three opportunities in April to race. Right. I think, I think they'll get one in by at least that last saturday in april so but we'll see i sure hope so so what's your first one this week um i'll start off slow and go with um chris smoky madden will win at volunteer uh this week okay okay so he's gonna win that's the kyle larson classic down there at bulls gap I'm going to go with the rookie, third-generation Hachu here. Blake Adams is going to get at least three with Soda Midwest Modified A main. Now, I'm going to add in, if they go to Jimtown, or they don't really probably go to Cedar Lake, but if they go end up going to Jimtown for a special, I'm going to count that. So in the Midwest Modified B Mod division, sanctioned or non-sanctioned, Blake Adams is going to get at least three A main wins in 2023. Okay. Um, 
Uh, it was announced that Superman will be racing in a truck at Bristol. Um, so I will say Superman will finish in the top 15 in the truck series. I, I think my, my prediction the other week was he'd finish in the top 20 in the cup. In the cup. In the cup. Yeah. Okay. So top 15 in the truck. I'm going to stay on this theme here. So Superman versus the kamikaze kid tyler carpenter okay both of them are going to be racing in the truck series at bristol tyler carpenter will beat jonathan davenport brad mike that one's for you guys. <laughs> okay um third one is staying with bristol um, I will say the dirt racers, I may get, I guess you determine if I get multiple points for this, but uh, Kyle Larson will finally get his dirt win in NASCAR and win with uh, Tyler Reddick finishing second, another dirt racer. Yeah, I, I mean, that's pretty specific. So, I mean, if they go one, two in the way that you have, that's a, that's a bonus point there for you if, if, that, if that happens. I'm going to take some, uh, I don't know if it's low-lying fruit, but I'm going to take kind of a light one here. There's a pair of late model races this weekend at the Tri-City Speedway in Granite City, Illinois. Number 32 will win at least one late model feature there this weekend. Okay. Number 32 will win at least oh. one feature. Oh, you're not saying a name. Oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. So you caught that. So number 32. Let's see how that works, right? So with that said, Bert, I'm excited. Next week, unveiling our new series of shows that we're going to do, kind of the um, the mostly with soda, but it's going to tie in Jim Falls. It's going to tie in Cedar Lake. But I'm going to be doing a recap show, Power Rankings, talk about upcoming events going to be interviewing a driver you know short little interviews here and that in each class you know this is going to be from lates mod supers midwest mods street stocks and uh mod fours peers hornets and we'll even talk a little bit on the um usra and crate late models so pretty excited for that want to give a little promoting and some love to some of the racers out there that deserve it but any closing thoughts here on episode 171 before we uh close the book no uh it was fun uh, uh speaking with your right hand man from uh your racing days so that was that was pretty cool i'm, I'm thankful that he was nice and kept out some of the more <laughs> colorful stories that he might have had so that that was kind of good but we had a I was super, super appreciative of him and everybody that helped me in my racing career, starting with mom and dad and family and my daughter, and you know, all my great sponsors and pit, pit people along the way. I mean, I had, I had a lot of help. I had a fun career and yeah, I miss it. I mean, I'd still like to race, but man, I, uh, it, it, it don't quite cost the same as it did then. And I could barely scrape by to do it then. So now uh, probably wouldn't be quite so easy, but had a hell of a good time, had a good run. So um, again, thanks to all of our great sponsors that we have. Support them when you can. Episode 172 coming next week. If you have feedback, if you have questions, fire them over. If you have a favorite 172 or 72, fire that over with some info. Um, and uh, Bert, always fun talking racing.
Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. Production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.